If you have your Bibles, open up with me to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look again at the characters of Christmas, this time looking at Mary. I don't know about y'all, but look at that Advent wreath. It just feels like yesterday we were lighting the first candle, doesn't it? And here we are a week away uh, from Christmas, and just feels like this month has gone by so quickly, and uh, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of work to be left to be done before Sunday morning and Christmas, and um, but man alive, it's been a wonderful month in this month of December, preparing our hearts for uh, this Christmas season and what all it entails and means for us as believers as we celebrate this Christmas season, as we celebrate Jesus coming into this world, living and dying in our place. This morning, Luke chapter 1, 26 through 38, if you have your outline, you can follow along. There's just a few blanks there that you can fill in. But let, let's read Luke chapter 1. Let's start in verse 26, let's go to verse 38, and then uh, just see where the Lord takes us through the discussion of Mary. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by, from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Mary, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom where there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child will be born, will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Verse 38, Mary said, behold... I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. There's a lot to unpack in these few verses, so let's ask the Lord's help. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your word that is so instructive and helpful, that continues to be like a compass to lead us onto your pathway. Lord, this morning, I pray we just come in close to receive your word for us. That the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you. You are our rock and you are our redeemer. Thank you, Lord. Be with us in these next few moments and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Last week we looked at Joseph and if you don't remember anything, I pray that every time you look at Joseph and the little nativity set and think about Joseph, you think about Joseph's obedience. That he was a man who obeyed, right? Anytime the Lord came to him and said, arise and go, what did Joseph do? He, arrived, he arose and he went, right? That's the instruction that we see over and again in Joseph's life. Joseph, arise and go. Joseph arose and went. That should be the theme of our life. God says go, we get up and we go, right? We read God's word, we see what he called us to do, we get up and we go, right? We don't want to be a Jonah type person that arise, go the opposite way. Arise, go with the Lord, right? That's our calling. Well, Mary's story is not radically different. Mary didn't have a story that would be steeped in disobedience. Mary was obedient in the same way. Essentially, when you look at the Christmas story, you see a group of characters who obeyed the Lord's calling, right? Shepherds arise and go see the thing that's come to pass. What do they do? They go, right? Wise men, what do you do? Go, what do they do? They go. Over and over again, you see 
the Lord coming to these individuals in the Christmas story, this Christmas story is all about these men and women obeying the calling of the Lord in their lives. Not easily, not simply, not through easy days, but they obey the word of the Lord. So I can't think of anything better for us to receive from this Christmas story than once again, the calling to obey. So let's dive in together. For number one on your outline is simply, Mary overcame fear. Mary overcame fear. All across the Christmas story, you see these angelic hosts coming to these characters of Christmas, and the first response to them is, do not be afraid. Always. Anytime an angelic being comes and visits anybody on earth, the first response is always the simple, hey, I know that this is slightly terrifying, right? But don't be afraid. Hey, I know that we're in the middle of the fields keeping watch over your flock. I know you're just chilling, watching some sheep, and all of a sudden, the host of the heavenly hosts are up there with you, hanging out. A moment of terror would strike any one of us in this room. And so you always have to start, do not be afraid, right? Just calm down. Don't be afraid. Right? But maybe I should have phrased this rather than Mary overcame fear. Mary's fears were put into proper perspective, Maybe if I had rewritten this at the end of the week, it would have been Mary's fears were put into proper perspective. Because you see, this angel comes to Mary and says, hey, uh, Mary, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, trying to understand what kind of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Mary, don't be afraid, and then goes on to lay on her this massive amount of information. Can you imagine that there had to have been a little bit of fear creep into Mary's heart? But Mary's fear was put into proper perspective, I believe, with this simple phrase that we find from the angel. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. I can't think of anything that would quelch any fears other than those words, the Lord is with you. I can recall as a young boy uh, laying in bed at night and hearing a noise. Now, the way our house was set up growing up, we had these little attic spaces that you could open these doors and get into a little attic space on either side. And almost every time I heard a noise in the middle of the night, I believed that someone had gotten into those attic spaces and they would be drilling a hole to come down into my room to kidnap me and take me away before anybody could see me. I mean, that's how my mind worked. I just believed that any bump in the night, any squirrel on the roof or anything was definitely somebody entering into our house through those crawl spaces. They were going to be cutting a hole in the, in the roof and coming into my room, taking me out, and that was the end of Mark Bethay. That was it. And so fear would creep in. And what, what do you do as a young boy but run into your parents' room? And you can recall, because I'm sure you had those moments too, where as soon as you entered into the threshold of your parents' room, all of a sudden, everything was fine, right? As soon as you saw your parents, as soon as you woke them up, you knew everything was okay. As soon as you crawled into the bed, as soon as you got near to your parents, in the midst of your fear, being with them quelched all fear, I can remember at one time getting lost in Birmingham Jefferson Civic Center. Uh, we had gone to a concert as a family, and I had gotten separated from my family, and uh, fear immediately, as soon as you lost them, fear. You know where they're going to be. This is the end. I'm going to have to go home with a different family. I'm never going to make it out of here. This is it. And as soon as I saw that long-haired man come, with, come running with his arms wide, everything in that moment was totally fine. The fear of being lost, the fear of being away, the fear of being in this unknown place, this fear of all these strangers, this fear of this, this big auditorium, everything in the moment of being connected to my parents immediately dissipated. 
There's something unique about being reminded that the God of the universe is with us. Something about in the midst of our fear, in the midst of our trepidation, in the midst of our grief and sorrow, and in the midst of all these things we face, those simple words, God is with you. And you know, if, I, if I'm honest, there, there are days and times where I just, I struggle with that reality. I think, who am I? Who am I in Montgomery, Alabama? Who, who am I, just this peon amidst the great pantheon of incredible people all around this world? Who am I that God would spend, who am I that God would be with, with me? I mean, doesn't he have better people to hang out with? More interesting people to be with? Aren't there bigger fish to fry in the grand scheme of the world that he would be with? Surely, there's no, God would be with me? I mean, do you feel that at times as you go through life in the midst of your struggles that you would think, well, somebody's got something bigger. Somebody's dealing with something much harder. Surely God's not in the midst of, not God with, with, with me. But that's precisely what we see in scripture. This is not an isolated case in which God is with Mary and he's with nobody else. So that's the joy that we celebrate, Emmanuel, God with us. I hit on it about every week of this Christmas season because it's so extraordinary. God with you. It's this perfect love that casts out fear. It's this nearness and proximity of our God that allows us to walk forward in faith no matter the unknowns that are right around the corner knowing that it is God who goes with us. As we walk into a new year, I can guarantee you we don't know what's coming. The same way we don't know what's coming tomorrow or the next day as we walk into a brand new year, it can fill us with a little bit of fear not knowing what's on the other side, what's coming in our jobs and homes and families and friendships. We don't know what's coming around the corner. But what allows us to walk forward full of faith and not fear is that God is with us. He has not yet abandoned us. Not once for a moment has God abandoned us. And I can promise you, he will not abandon you. And what does the enemy try to do and tell us over and over again, God's left you, he's gone. You're talking, but he's not listening. In the midst of our valley of the shadow of death, in the midst of our struggles and speed bumps, what you can often feel is God is not in this boat with you. Hey, look around. Don't you see the storms crashing around? There's no way God's in this boat. God wouldn't be in this boat because the storms are crashing. The enemy just quietly whispers, God is nowhere to be found. Friends, be reminded over and over, God is with you. Those simple words, the Lord is with you to Mary, means so much that Mary, in the midst of all that's going to happen, in the midst of you giving birth to the Savior of the world, in the midst of all the things that are to come your way socially and religiously in the next few moments, have no fear because I am with you. Every time you hear those words, Emmanuel, be reminded of the, of the joy that we get to celebrate. God with you. God with us. You can imagine we've talked about Joseph and Mary. I can't imagine who we're going to talk about next week. No idea. Maybe if you activated your imagination, you could figure it out. But as we, as we, as we chart our course towards Christmas... Everything bears testimony to Jesus coming to be with us. For we don't have a faithful high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. 
Yet one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. So he says, come on in. Come on in. I've been with you. I understand. I've walked where you've walked. I've walked in those sandals. I've been with you. Yet I get it. And so Mary overcame fear. And again, properly perspective, Mary's fears were put into proper perspective. That we have a good shepherd. That even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what does the Bible say? I will have no fear. Why? Because I've got an incredible rod, an incredible staff that can fight away the enemy. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil because you are with me. How good is that? Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Not my rod, not my staff. Your rod, your staff, they bring me comfort because you are the good shepherd. You are defending, you are protecting, you are leading beside the still waters. And so Mary could overcome her fear because everything was put in proper perspective because God was with her. What we see is even more staggering. This is just filled with joy as you look at this stuff. And so Mary is responding, hey, found favor and Mary is greatly troubled at this saying and behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will call his name Jesus and he will be great of his kingdom there will be no end and Mary in verse 34 simply says a very practical question hey I, angel I, I know you probably know this but how, how how's this going to happen I mean, isn't that, isn't that just such a good reality of the existence of Mary to, in the middle of this question, just to have a good, practical question, hey, God, i fully on board, but how? Just, I don't, can you, I just don't understand. And so the angel answers, essentially saying, behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son in the sixth month, of her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. I want you to let those words ring into your soul for just a moment. The angel says to Mary, nothing will be impossible with God. No thing will be impossible with God. And I want to zoom in here for just a moment. Nothing will be impossible for God. And in the moment, Mary, if you forget it, Mary, in the midst of that, if you forget that anything is impossible for God, if you forget it, in the midst of all you're going to walk through, Mary, there are going to be days where you're going to forget that nothing is impossible for God. I want you to look across the aisle at your cousin Elizabeth. She was too old to have a child. She was barren, and yet she is great with child. Mary, you're too young to have a child, yet you're going to have a child. In the midst of all this, in those moments, Elizabeth, when you get nervous, Mary, when you get nervous, look across and see one another and see the miracle of the Lord clearly displayed. No, maybe you need to hear that reminder today that nothing is impossible with God. It wasn't just Mary and this circumstance that's impossible for the Lord. Nothing is impossible for the Lord. There are some of you, as I look around this room, that have been praying for a child, a grandchild, for a marriage for years upon years upon years, and you just don't see it happening. Hold fast, and nothing is impossible for the Lord. Nothing. Some days I don't understand that saying because I think, Lord, just snap your fingers and make everything work out and make everything right. But what we see is nothing is impossible for God. Elizabeth, the barren, and Mary, the two young, both of them impossibilities, and the Lord has done a miracle. Nothing is impossible. You move on to this next. Mary selflessly served. Mary just selflessly served. I, 
as she hears this, nothing is impossible for the Lord, she responds in verse 38 in one of the most beautiful phrases you could ever hear back to this angel. In the midst of hearing that she was about to have a child and it was gonna be an incredible conception, one that very few people would likely believe. In the midst of the social tension that she would undoubtedly face, Mary in verse 38 says, behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Can you imagine this teenage girl hearing this incredible news of what was gonna happen? Doesn't say, Lord, I can't, there's no way, Lord, can you choose somebody else? Can you wait till I get older? Can you wait till Joseph and I, can you wait, Lord, can you wait? No, she simply says, I'm your servant. I'm your servant, let it be. Let it be, Lord. The chief hallmark of the believer who is fully devoted to Jesus is a heart that says, Lord, I'm in. I'm ready. I mean, look over the scripture. Almost every writer in the New Testament, as they began their letter, what did they say? Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Jude, a servant of Christ Jesus. James, a servant of Christ Jesus. Paul and Timothy, a servant of Christ Jesus. Of all the accolades they could say, what do they choose as the chief accolade of their existence as apostles? I'm a servant. Whatever the Lord leads me to, whatever he calls me to, first and foremost, before I am anything else, I am a servant of Christ Jesus. Do you imagine every day as we wake up, as we wake up from our sleep and we wake up in the morning that we just simply say, Lord, today, whatever you lead me to, whatever you call me to, in my job, in my home, in my family, in my friendships, Lord, whatever you call me to, I'm yours. Whatever, you, in my home, in my family, in my business, in my job, in my school, or today, first and foremost, before I'm a student, before I'm a husband, before I'm a wife, before I'm a teacher, before whatever I am, before I'm any of these things, today, Lord, I recognize I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. When the speed bumps come, when the storms come, Lord, I am your servant. Let me be utilized, Lord, whatever and whatever way you would have. Can you imagine the selflessness that would take place for Mary to simply say, Lord, in the face of all that I'm gonna face, I'm yours. I pray that we have that same attitude. And then Mary joyously worshiped. Mary joyously worshiped. And I just wanna spend a moment because we see right after the angel departed from her, what did Mary do? She made haste to go see her cousin Elizabeth. She went, hey, to go see Elizabeth. And I've got to imagine what happened in those three months between those two women. I mean, they're both, have this miracles growing inside of them. Can you imagine the conversations that Mary and Elizabeth shared together? In the midst of all the uncertainty, in the midst of everybody making fun of Elizabeth because she was this old lady having a baby, in the midst of this young teenage girl having a baby, can you imagine the, the joy and the strength that they took from one another? Walking through these days together, I imagine those days that Mary was low, scared, frustrated. She looked across to Elizabeth and found some strength. On those days that Elizabeth was saying, I'm just this old lady having a baby. This is so hard. She looked across at Mary and said, man, nothing is impossible for God. He's with us. This is the joy of walking through life together with one another that Mary and Elizabeth at any moment had to look across the, the, the house to see the Lord at work. 
And so how did Mary respond in verse 46 and 47? She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he is mighty and he has done great things for me. Friends, this Christmas season, we have the joy to worship the Lord. In the midst of opening presents, in the midst of all the good busyness and chaos, we have the joy of worshiping the Lord. Some of these Christmas carols are some of the most beautiful songs that you could ever imagine and worship the Lord. Don't miss the opportunity for us to joyously worship. Hark the herald. Angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. My Lord, what a word. God and sinners reconciled. Joy to the Lord, the joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years, they're met in thee tonight. Friends, as we walk through these next few days, I pray that we overcome the fear by putting it in proper perspective, that we selflessly serve and that we joyously worship. At the end, you see these simple words, Mary and Joseph faithfully obeyed. I mean, that's the end all be all. The last little point there is Mary and Joseph, they faithfully obeyed the Lord. How about us? How about us? This time of this Christmas season is a beautiful, tailor-made opportunity to tune your heart to the frequency of God's obedience in your life. As I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, friends, take the next right step of obedience in your life today. Don't wait till tomorrow, don't wait till 2023. Take the next right step of obedience in your life today. Whatever that looks like, however it looks, without fear, without floundering, full of faith, step forward as you follow Jesus together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that perfect love casts out all fear. Lord, we thank you for Mary and Joseph and their simple obedience as they follow you every day. Lord, let it be so for us as well. As we come to this time to sing this simple song, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, that's precisely what we pray as we sing it. Have thine own way. Mold me and make me. Or teach me thy will, Lord. Let us, let us follow you, Lord, this Christmas and into this new year. Lord, we love you and we thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.